Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel 23 verses 8 through 12. The Bible says, and after him was Eleazar. What we're reading here in part is a list of great warriors that served with David, King David. Brother Jones mentioned this this morning in his lesson. We're reading the list of some of these great and mighty warriors, There's a little story, just a little blurb in here about a man named Eleazar. The son of Dodo, the Ahohite, which was one of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle. And the men of Israel were gone away. Verse 10 tells us that Eleazar arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary. And his hand cleaved unto the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. There were no more enemies because Eleazar had taken care of the enemies. They didn't have to come back to fight. They just came back to pick up the bounty that was left behind by their enemies. The curious part of this story is that I find where the Bible talks about that his hand cleaved to the sword. His hand was stuck to the sword. It wasn't because his hand was full of strength because the Bible is very clear that his hand was weary or that he was weary. And his hand cleaved to the sword. There comes a point in time in each and every one of our lives, I think we're at do or die time, where you have to make up in your mind that you're no longer going to run no matter what everybody else does. The child of God sometimes has to stand on his own. But I want to promise you one thing today. If you are cleaving to the sword, the spirit, the battle is yours. Hear me today. The battle is yours. I just want to preach for the next 30 minutes or so. Spiritual fusion spiritual fusion would you bow your head and set down your bibles would you one more time just lift your voice and let's ask god to just bless this message today precious savior we thank you god for each and every person that's walked through our doors today god we thank you lord for those that have been coming here for years and we thank you for those that may have walked through the door for the very first time god i pray god that ultimately your spirit would be felt god, we ask your presence to just move through this place today in the name of Jesus. Would you say amen? God bless you. You may be seated today. Possibly one of the most well-known characters of the Bible, 
King David. The shepherd that became a king, and not just any king, because Israel had a lot of kings throughout the centuries, but he became what we know as quite possibly the most beloved king that ever served the nation of Israel. Some said uh, one time that much of the strength and honor of a great man is borrowed from those that served them. David was not just great because he was a great warrior within himself, but David was kind of the counterpart to Absalom, of which Brother Jones spoke of earlier today, was great because he surrounded himself with men of greatness, men of character, men of integrity, men that would tell him the truth, men that would stand with him, men that were loyal to him. David was great because he had great men around him. Today, I want to bring our attention to one of these great men by the name of Eleazar. The Bible tells us of a battle that caused a fusion between a man and his weapon. For us to completely understand what I'm talking about, I have to talk about what fusion actually is. Fusion is something that takes place under very intense heat or under very extreme conditions. The word fuse means to melt or pour together, where some things that don't typically belong together are brought into such condition that they bind themselves together in order to create something that they never could be on their own. Now, over the years, one of my favorite FedEx routes that I ever ran took me into the city of Granite City, and I can remember going there every single day to Granite City Steel. Not a very beautiful place. It's not like, you know, one Met Center downtown, a beautiful skyscraper, you know, beautiful windows. It's nothing like that. But, but there's something very important that takes place in that steel mill. It's a place where they take different substances that could not be very strong on their own, but they combine them together and they're brought together with something called fusion. And when they are fused together, together they become a different material that we now can understand support great structures. That one met center over there in St. Louis, if you've never seen it, it's about 33 stories tall. I remember working downtown St. Louis and going up as a foot courier for FedEx into that building, how nice it was on the interior. I can remember uh, some of the other buildings that were being built while I was working down there, watching them put foundations in, watching them bring in great metal beams that, that were quite possibly brought over from Granite City Steel. They take that steel, that, that product of fusion, and they, they are able to put it in place and they're able to build things on top of it so that it will stand the test of time, so that it will be able to, to, to hold up the weight that, that is crushing down upon it. The word fusion has some 
synonyms that you can use very similar. Some of them are words like union, merging, and alliance. But fusion does not take place under just normal conditions. I've watched some of those big trucks hauling some of that stuff out. I've I've driven back into the back yards of, of Granite City Steel and driven past great plates of steel that are out there cooling down and my window has been rolled down before and I, my arm was sticking out and you could feel the heat radiating several, uh, several 20, 30 feet away. You could feel the heat that was coming off of those steel plates and it told me something. It told me that there must have been a very extreme heat that would bring all those things together that would create that steel in the first place. I know that to be true. We know very little of the full details of the battle that we just read about, but we can surmise a few things. It's mentioned one more time in the Word of God in 1 Chronicles. Let me just tell you a little bit about these men that surrounded David. They came into David's life at a very low time. They came into his life not when, not when he was on the rise, not when, not when he was sitting on the throne, not when he was wearing the crown, but they came into his life in dark days, in times where he was running for his life. There were times when the heat and the pressure was going through the roof in David's life, but they loved David so much that they were willing to go outside of David's camp, and they were willing to bear the reproach that David had received from Saul, his father-in-law, and to stand and fight for the man that they believed in. There's something to be said about loyalty. You know what? David made a few mistakes during the course of his life. But he had some people, not everybody, but he had some men that he could trust. He had some men that loved him. He had some men that were loyal to him. And because of some of these great and mighty warriors that stood by him, no matter what the cost might be for their own personal life, he was able for God to do great things in his life. He became the king that he was. It was not easy. This is the stuff that men are made out of. Oftentimes, great men are born out of difficult circumstances. I don't like difficult circumstances. I'd rather things be easy. I don't like that early morning phone call that tells me tragedy had just struck. I don't like to get the text message that says uh, things aren't going so well here. I don't like to get the phone calls from the doctor that says I've not got good news, but there are some times when we go through the course of life where those things are just going to happen. This is the world that we live in. It's not a perfect world. It's a world full of tragedy. It's a world full of heartache. Amen. It's a world full of things that will try to break you down and beat you down. But we serve a God, amen, that if we are loyal to him, he will be loyal to us. And we have people around us that are brothers and sisters that bolster us with prayer and with faith. we know and what we can understand is that David in this particular circumstance found himself in the unsound position of being threatened by Israel's 
long-time and strongest enemy at that time, the Philistines. You know that they did not like David. He was that young punk that killed their great champion, Goliath. You know there was no love loss for him. We mostly hear the stories of the much-loved David. But we would do well to understand that David, before he was ever crowned king over Israel, had many enemies that sought to destroy him. Here's what we do know about this battle. We know that it was only Eleazar and him alone that stood and fought. Nobody else was around. I don't know where the other mighty men were. I don't know where the rest of the armies of Israel were at, but the Philistines had come down upon them and were chasing them. And as they were chasing them through this field of beans, there came a point in Eleazar's mind where he said, I'm done running, and everybody else can do whatever it is that they're going to do, but I'm going to take a stand right here. And the Bible tells us that alone he withstood all of the enemy that were coming after him, and the rest of them that were victorious by the hand of Eleazar came back not to battle but to pick up the spoil. He was overwhelmed by a great number of Philistines. All his support had fled from the battle site. You know, it, it, is, it is good. It, it, it is wonderful to have brothers and sisters. I tell you, our Tuesday morning men's prayer, it's not the largest prayer meeting that, that I've ever been in. It, it's, a handful, it's a handful of men that come up here on Tuesday mornings, and I understand there would be more here if, if there were some that, that didn't have to work. I, I get that. But what I feel is this, this strength that comes from praying with a, 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 another group of men. What I feel when we gather together this morning before uh, service and began to pray. I felt a streak. I felt a, com a com combining of spirits uh, that were taking place here, and, and people were beginning to gather in and, and worship the same God, and we were beginning to lift him up, and we were beginning to praise, and, and I felt a strength that came from that, but I must tell you today, there's not always going to be somebody with you when you take your stand. You may stand alone. I don't know if it shocked Eleazar or not. I'm not quite certain what he thought. The Israelites were running from their enemies. They come to this field. When they got out into the midst of that field, Eleazar decided he was not going to run anymore. He turned and he began to fight. I don't know what was going through his mind. We're not left with all of the facts, but I have to wonder if Eleazar said to himself, I'd rather fight them in the field than fight them at my back door. I have to wonder if he thought, if we don't stop them right here, right now, today they're going to be knocking at our gate tomorrow. I want everybody to understand this. Your adversary is never going to give up. 
and he's going to take as much from you as he possibly can take from you. There must come a point and time in your life where you draw a line in the sand and you say, you're not getting me to go any further than where I am right here. I may die fighting just like those three Hebrew children, but one thing is for sure, I'm not going to be under your hand anymore, and I'm not going to run anymore. Amen. The Bible does not say that the gates of hell are going to prevail against the church or that we have to even defend it, but the church is on the offense, and there must come a time when the church turns the things around and says, I know it's bad. I know it doesn't look good. I know it's dark in this world, but we're going to take a stand and we're going to fight the good fight of faith. So he does. Azar, he begins to take out his enemies one by one. We don't have a specific number, but if you go back and you read some of those numbers that some of those mighty men of valor took enemies out, how many they took out, it, it would amaze you. And I don't know how that, that's done outside of an anointing from God. One of the great mighty men killed a, a lion in a pit on a snowy day. Another one, I think it was 800 enemies he took out with his spear. Another one, 300. I mean, it was, I would do good to take, take out one. You know, I would think I was king of the hill. If, if, I, got, if I got into a, a fight with somebody and I walked away without a, a bloody nose and a black eye and a fat lip, you know, I would think I did okay. But I can't imagine somebody that was able to walk out of the battlefield and claim that 300 of the enemy were gone because of that one person. And yet they did. There comes a point in time where you don't walk in your own strength but you call upon the strength of the Lord. You're never going to be able to make it on your own in this world. You need a Savior. You need a God. You need a Spirit. You need an anointing to be upon your life because without it, we are sure to fail. But when God steps into the picture and he says, you can do all things through me, honey, that's just exactly what he means. Every enemy, every battle you fight, every time you come up against something that's against your soul and wants to kill you, you can have victory, not by your power, not by your might, but by the Spirit. The Bible says that his hand was fused to his sword. The battle had caused such a stir within that it affected what was without. Something inside him changed before any of the exterior changed. Power of one doesn't come from public opinion or following the masses. It comes from a man who knows himself and knows who his God is. Why are we putting an emphasis on prayer this year? Because without communication with God, we'll lose sight of who God is. But if we know who we are in him and we know him and we know what his word says and we can stand upon his promises that we read and we find in his words, those aren't just words that, that were meant for somebody 2,000 years ago, friend. Those are words that still have full effect, 
full authority, full power for you and I today, but we must know the author well. We must have a communication with between us and him to know that power is in its fullness in our life. Everybody else runs, but not Eleazar. He turns, he draws his sword, he lets out a battle cry. He says, I'm going to do this with or without you. If I'm the only one standing here, I'm sure he would not have turned down any of his brothers stopping and supporting him. Matter of fact, maybe in his own mind, he thought that that's what would happen. Well, I'm kind of a leader of the group here. I'm, I'm one of the uh, of the mighty men. Uh, surely, if somebody turns around and quits running and, and takes a stand, then, then others will follow suit. But it doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes you walk alone. Sometimes you battle alone. Sometimes you're in the fight alone. But I need somebody to understand today that when you feel like you're all alone on the battlefield, you're not. God is right there with you. David understood that. He said to Goliath, you come to me with your sword and with your spear, but I'm stepping out here with the spirit of the Lord. I've got God on my side. And when God is on your side, anything is possible. Others may turn, others may run. Others may let down their guard. Others may look for a way out. Others may compromise. Others may say, hey, we'll run away today so we can fight again another day. But you better be careful because the fight today may be in a better situation than the fight tomorrow might be. The fight in the field, Eleazar's children weren't out in that field. Eleazar's wife, his family wasn't out in that field. But you got to stop it somewhere. And you might as well stop the enemy from heading your direction before they ever get to your house. If I'm going to fight somebody, I want to fight them out in the street, not in my living room. I may lose the battle out in the street, but at least I won't get my living room tore up. <laughs> Watch what you do. Watch where you fight. The Bible says that his hand was weary. It clave to the sword. I think it is Interesting that the Bible would let us know that his hand was tired. The music would play. Just about done. Anybody else get battle weary? Anybody else ever feel like you've been beat down? They they weren't they weren't. They weren't on the offense. They were running. Things hadn't gone so well. They were not looking for a victorious day that day. 
They were just going to be happy to make it home alive. There are some times where you just feel like that. Don't ever ask if one more thing goes wrong today. Don't ever say that because it can happen. I've had those days where I thought they were bad until the really bad one came along. He was weary. His hand was tired. Something took place. His hand became fused to that sword until the two became one. They were inseparable on the battlefield. That sword would come down, but it never left his hand. One enemy, two enemies, 10, 15, 20 enemies. Till all of them were gone, either lying dead in the field or they had run away. Eleazar stands there. You know, he slept good that night. It's unnatural for weakness to cause strength. So what took place there must have been supernatural. Somebody needs to hear what I'm about ready to say. Because you feel weak. You feel the world crushing it around you. And you don't feel like you have the strength. And you're right. But know this. When you're weak, he is made strong. I have to believe that it was the Spirit of God that caused his hand to cleave, to be fused to that weapon, that sword. Yes, there are Demases that that leave, that walk out. But for every Demas, there is a Barnabas that stays. Yes, there's going to be Cains in your life that get upset because God doesn't accept their sacrifice the way that he accepts their brother's sacrifice. But instead of bringing God what he asked him for, you know, God does not have to accept your sacrifice. If it's not what he asked for, and so many people bring God's not goodwill. We're not sacrificing when we take everything to goodwill. We're cleaning out what we don't want anymore. And a lot of people look at it like, oh, look at me. I've done something. I've given something to God. 
but it's not really a sacrifice. David understood that. That's why he wouldn't take that threshing floor that was offered to him free of charge. He said, I will not offer God anything that costs me nothing. But this world has a mindset. As long as I'm giving something to God, something I don't need anymore, I'm sacrificing to God. That's not a sacrifice. We must give God what God wants from us. For every Cain, there is an Abel that says, yes, God, whatever you say, I'll bring it to you. I'll give it to you. Every Saul, there's a David. See, it's really about the decisions that we make. What's got you running through the field trying to escape your enemy today? Would you stand? I want you to think that. Think about that with me just for a moment. Is there something that's, that you feel threatened by? Is there something that's chasing you down? Is there, is there something that's got you weighted down and has you weary? And you don't know how you're going to walk through it. You don't know how you're going to pay for it. You don't know how you're going to get through the problem. You don't know how you're going to deal with the, the, the relationship. You don't have the answer. And it's got you on the run. It's chasing you. You can feel it bearing down on you. And you look around you and everybody else that's beside you, they're running the same direction that you're running. Somebody needs to turn around today and grab your sword. Because when nothing else, when nothing else will work, the sword if you cleave to the sword, the sword will get you through. What is the sword? Why are we so why are we so dead set on staying in the word of God? Why are we so dead set on trying to make sure that what we preach and what we teach is truth? There's a lot of things that we get caught up on out there, but we must have truth. What is the whole armor of God? Oh, the, the shield, the, all these, what's a sword? The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If we don't cleave to anything else, you better hang on to the Word. If you don't love anything else, if you don't have a spear, if you don't have a shield, if you don't have a helmet, you better never let go of your sword. You better get in that word and stay in that word. Amen. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God, help us when we're weary. Help us when we're battle-worn. Help us when we don't feel like we can fight another day to say, I've got one more fight in me today because I've held on to your word. God, and I know your word's promises are yay, and they are amen, and because of that, my family's going to be saved and protected. Because of that, my situation is going to be okay. The beautiful thing about it is one man's victory became everyone's victory. By all rights, really, Eleazar should have been able to collect the entire spoil of all of his fallen enemies. 
But he said, okay, brothers, come on back in. And they began to come back in and collect the spoil. When one of us wins, we all win. Brother Howard, your victory is my victory. <laughs> Amen. When you overcome something, Brother Warren, and things are good, and you've walked through a, a dark place, and you come out victorious, that makes me feel good. That makes me happy. Your victory is my victory. Why? Because we're all in this together. There ain't none of us on our own, but sometimes somebody has to take a stand. But when one of us has a victory, we all have a victory together. I wonder if you'd join me around this altar today, those of you would that would. And I want you just to take a stand. Whatever it is that you're thinking about, I don't need to know what it is. You need to tell it to God. Whatever is chasing you, whatever dark shadow is come upon your life, whatever thing that you've been dealing with that you cannot seem to get rid of, whatever it is you're running through the field away from, why don't you take a stand right here today, throw your hands up in the air and say, God, I give it to you, and I'm taking my sword, and I'm going to fight this battle with your word. God, when nothing else works, your word, I will cleave to it. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.